It's the Benz Brunani woman's baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Every sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sipping yo. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something, you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you Okay, let's do this. It's me. I'm back. I'm just ready to get into all of the things because, baby, I feel like I've talked. I well, I mean, we'll get into it in straw of the week later. But my two videos in the past week about just the state of the world, I feel like I've talked enough. But I'm here to talk some more. So if you're wondering who you're listening to, this is Kaleshi Kaleshi Okafor. And you're listening to SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What. That's right. Suck your mom. And yeah, well, yeah, let's let's do it. I don't really have much to report back. I don't everything feels like a blur. I'm having to just do lots of little like admin things here, there, everywhere. Um yeah, I'm going to have my inner child ceremony with Laurent um, in the next couple of days. So that should be really cool. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know what I'm waiting for. Do you know, sometimes do you just feel like you're waiting? Waiting to, you know, I'm going to say it, exhale. Yeah, I just, everyone falls. Ooh. In love sometimes Sometimes it's wrong Sometimes it's right Ooh! Whitney, man I miss you, girl Miss you, girl Um. Well, anyway, that's enough of that That's not the actual Waiting to Excel song I was going to sing Shoo, 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 shoo Heartbreak Hotel, to me, that's the quintessential R&B song. All I really wanted was some of your time. And when you told me lies and someone else was on your mind, what you do to me? Hey, Kelly Price was singing. Somebody told Kelly Price, hey, the price of your rent is due. And she said, me, I'm going to sing this place down. Her, Faith Evans, like they brought it on that track. Like who can go up against Whitney? And just do the thing. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal singers. Anyway, that's by the by. Let's get into the into the tarot. Um, I'm sure there are I'm meant to have announcements, but when I tell you that, I'm just glad to be here. Glad to be recording. Want to keep the things moving. That's all I've got. So here we go. This letter I chose for the tarot. Um, hi, Kalechi. Firstly, thank you for giving yourself selflessly. Um, each week I pray the ancestors uh, Blessings and protection upon your life And those you hold dear My question is Since I was little I knew I was meant to adopt a child When I say the pull and the conviction was so strong There was no negotiation to be had I didn't see myself doing anything else Other than looking after kids in one capacity or another I even thought I was going to be a nun like Mother Teresa. But sadly, once the D was discovered, that was game over. <laughs> this smiley face. This brings me to my point in the here and now. I'm currently 37, working as an engineer and feeling massively unfulfilled. And I have two gorgeous girls. I don't have it in me to be pregnant again because that whole fiasco was very hard on me physically and mentally. Ooh. 
girl, don't I know it. I've been tossing the word adopting around and my and my very Nigerian parent nor my and my very Nigerian parent nor my husband is here for it. I feel lost at home in myself and in my job. Even my side hustle is stagnating. I keep seeing all these angel numbers that the message is starting to get confusing. Please, can you tell me the message I'm meant to hear? Thanks. Uh, for a baby girl, P.S., uh, my chart has been added for uh, good measure. Thank you for doing that. Let's see what we got. Um, I'm looking at for your fourth house. Okay. And then. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Okay, all right. Cool. Let me just get into the tarot. Thank you for including your um your birth chart. That's really really helpful. So what's going on? So yeah, I mean, when I look at the um the fact that Aquarius is your eighth house. And you've got your natal Jupiter there. It does make me think about the fact that when we think about the sign of Aquarius, usually there is this sense of a weird detachment, but also wanting to be part of the many. Like it's about groups and communities and that. And usually we're finding that with the 11th house placement. And um, funnily enough that you've got your north node in your 11th, um, 11th house and that's Taurus. So I feel that there is this idea of seeking wholeness in groups but at at the same time yeah at the same time understanding the work that you want to do and knowing that I feel like the work isn't solely going to fulfill you it's not going to be what gives you everything that you're looking for so it's really important that I feel like a lot of the focus does have to be on yourself yeah I'm seeing that Neptune's in your seventh house as well. So how you go about relating. I I wonder if, I wonder if the lack of clarity that you feel around your romantic partnership is being kind of projected onto this idea of like, I know that you've always felt that, you know, you wanted to adopt and you always wanted to be around children and nurture children. I feel like that seems very that comes as very natural to you. So that makes sense. I mean, you've got your fourth, your fourth house of home and family is Libra. Um, and then you've got your fifth house, which is about fun and also childhood and child and children and things like that. You've got that as Scorpio and there's Saturn there, um, as well. You already know how to do these things. Your South node is there as well. So it makes me think that this almost is also an energy that comes with you from a past life of, of um, wanting to nurture and wanting to care. Yep, confirmed. We've got temperance card here. Of wanting to nurture and wanting to care. But currently what you are feeling uh, feeling in terms of this unfulfillment um, is more something within you. I, that It's more something within you that's um, and your l- lack of fulfillment, I think, in the romantic partnership that you're in. And it's just like, okay, what I need to do is care for more people. And... I think that the caring, wanting to care for more children, wanting to do all of that, even the fact that you're, regardless of whether your parents are into what you want to do, I'm sorry, respectfully, like it's not their own, like they can face their front, but your partner should have always, I feel like known that this is something that calls deeply to you. And so 
them not being open to it, I think it is something that you would need to address. And that I think highlights, I think, a disconnect in your relationship, to be honest. Um, but let's get more cards before I just be talking and talking. What's the oh, what's the message for a baby girl? Hold on. Because you know, these cards like to fall on the floor. Yeah, see, you're not being heard. So we've got the temperance card uh, that came out in reverse, but for some reason I'm called to read it upright. We've got the temperance card and then we've got the eight of wands in reverse and then we've got the nine of swords and then we've got the hierophant in reverse like you're giving away your power in these relationships I'm maybe because I don't know I just move a bit different even if my mum or my parents whoever did not agree with something it's really not my concern I will do what I want to do I mean who is any motherfucking body that they're going to come and tell me not to do what I want to do did did we come to live this life like together I mean, we did to it in, in a certain regard, but I've got to make my own choices. Otherwise, what was the point of being here anyway? That's what you've got to think to yourself sometimes. What is the point of being here anyway if you're only living for other people in your life? Like, no, that as much as you can, you know, compromise and do all of these things, you have to make sure that you're still being true to you. And this is making you really down. Um because I'm looking at the nine of swords here, it seems like it's a private grief and it feels like a calling for you that you are being denied because um, other people aren't on it. Um, and yeah, you've got to reframe the hierophant in reverse. You're going to have to reclaim your sovereignty and you're going to have to reframe how you see the dynamics of um, a marriage or a partnership. Nobody can come and dictate to you in this life what you need to do. Like you get to call the shots on that and you have to decide like what does that mean for your relationship because that feels like the bigger issue here it feels like what we're saying is that if your partner's not on it I've moved your parents out of the way because it's really not their business but if your partner is not on it how do you go about doing this thing that you feel called to do and at the same time you have to consider what your motivations are for wanting to have um you know for wanting to adopt uh a child right because you've got two children already and I don't know if then adopting a third child will quell that um, that sense of unfulfillment that you feel. And I don't know if you've already done it or you might consider it. And you mentioned that you're an engineer. So I feel like you've got a little piece of money um, and consider some kind of therapy. I'm not saying that talking therapy is a way for everyone, but just being able to talk through certain things because... I feel like it's important to maybe consider why, why, why you want to do this. I think that adoption is great. I, you know, hence me opening a children's home in Nigeria. Um, I think being able to look after um, children who might not have um, any family or relatives that they can be with and you can provide them a beautiful, beautiful life, not sending them off elsewhere, but provide them a beautiful life. Um, I think that that's, amazing I think that that's a great thing to do and I think that that's probably why you know with your fourth house being I think it was Libra I said right your fourth house being Libra that you're you're called to that and the fifth house being Scorpio wanting to help the children that maybe have gone through something painful and wanting to be that shift for them all of these things are great but again what is it about your life currently that feels unfulfilling outside of not being able to go ahead and um, adopt a child, um, you know, currently, what is it exactly? Um, 
And then the Dickhead in Recovery affirmation card that you have here says, if ever the fear of loss tempts me when I think of those I love, I choose to recenter and focus on the boundaries, I'm sorry, the boundless nature of love. My love goes beyond the body. My love goes beyond time. I'll read that again because I was really doing Barafuka when I was reading it. If ever the fear of loss tempts me when I think of those I love, I choose to recenter and focus on the boundless nature of love. My love goes beyond the body. My love goes beyond time. And I, and you know, I mentioned it to you that your South Node is there as well. Um, where did I say your South Node? Is that your South Node is in Scorpio in the fifth house. So I think that this is an energy that you carried from another timeline, another dimension. You brought this from another life. You brought this energy with you of um, I think it's probably something that you have you had been doing before. If this is your first time in the like being in, uh, incarnated, it might be a sense of, you know, in um, Yoruba spirituality, we talk about having a, a heavenly family. You have a family before you come to Earth, and you, it's your kind of your duty to remember them and to honor them. And there might be the sense of honoring the children in that realm. Um, you know, whether they're yours or your family, just the the family that you have in that realm, honoring them um, by taking um, taking in children that don't have um, a family on earth. You're honoring your family in heaven by taking on family, um, by taking on children that don't have family on earth. So I think that that's what the pull is for you. However, what you're torn between now is like, is really frankly speaking staying with your partner or following through with um honoring this calling and this um energy that you're you're um being pulled towards that's really what i think you're asking and that's what this card is reminding you of that love is your focus in this life for all of us the many man- manifestations of love that is our focus in this life and do you want somebody to impede on your destiny because of whatever reasons that they have? And they could have valid reasons for not wanting to adopt. They could have valid reasons for not wanting an, um, another child, like full stop, whether it comes out your nan or not. They could have valid reasons for that, but you're still going to need to have a conversation about what that means for the both of you. Like they can't just be like, nah, dead it. And, and at the same time, you can't be like, oh, well, this is how it's going to run. There has to be an explicit discussion about what is going on because the way that it's affecting your mental health and it's affecting your emotional health that you're not really sharing with the family as a whole, that's a problem. So you're going to have to have these very challenging conversations because you need to know where you stand and where you're going. But the fear of potential loss or there being tension or turbulence with your partner cannot hold you back. Because sometimes some people need to know how serious you are about something when you go, look, I don't even, I have to, not even that I don't care what it means for us, but I'm willing to take the consequences of what my desires mean for this relationship. I'm willing to take on those consequences because I will do this thing. And sometimes when people are like, rah, you're that serious. Yeah. Yeah then they have to come at you a little bit differently and they have to start considering themselves what kind of, um, you know, what kind of changes and what kind of, um, the word just escaped me. But, you know, what kind of, um, what do they call that thing? I'm not even going to try, but now, you know, when you go, I'm not even going to think about the word, but you're now still thinking about the word. But what kind of concessions, that's it. Hey, English teacher. What kind of concessions they're willing to make in order to have this thing work for you both? All right. 
So I pray that that resonates with you and thank you for writing in. And um, as I'm always saying, I'm working through all of your letters. So thank you and continue to send them in. I know that the message will reach you at the time that it needs to reach you. And in close friends, I've been posting on Instagram, I've been posting pick apart arrow readings and I'll continue to do that um, for the people who are on my Patreon um, and Patreon. I know that some of you aren't on Instagram, so I'll make sure that I'm posting the readings where you can see them as well. So, um, yeah, that's that. Let me move on to Share Your Magnificence. I know that I had a cute letter up in here for Share Your Magnificence. Um, here we go. Hi, Kalechi. Thank you so much for reading this. I would like to make this Share Your Magnificence out to you and a few people too. But I want to make it a private one. Um, <laughs> lol, just for you, not for the podcast. Okay, this is... This is what's so funny. Like, this is what I tell you. Like, sometimes I just, I read the title of things and I'm like, okay, maybe I'll read that one. And then, well, guess I'm not reading that one. That makes this magnificent section so much easier because I can just jump straight to, I think I can, let me check the show notes. Yeah, I can basically jump straight to my interview with um, Mylik Teal. So if you don't know, Mylik Teal is the founder uh, of Curlbox, which was um, the first, I believe, uh, subscription box, like hair care subscription box for textured hair. And she started it in, I, be, um, I think it was Atlanta, like years ago. And Malik is one of the people that I follow on socials. I love what she's about. Like she's a mummy um, businesswoman and, you know, wonderful black woman that, that really speaks her mind. Like she says, you know, what she needs to say. She does some great Instagram lives. She has a podcast as well. Um, I think it's called My Taught You. Is it My Taught? Let me just double check. Um, but yeah, My Leak is just great. I and I yeah, My Taught You. Um, so it's great that she has that podcast that you can check out as well, where she's just kind of like sharing all of the things that um she does. Um, she on her website it says. I'm a multi-hyphenate career woman, gang gang, with many passions and interests. I've been fortunate to forge a unique professional path that reflects my marketing, community building and commerce expertise. I often get labeled as an influencer. Oh, girl, don't I know it. But a serial entrepreneur is a more fitting title for me. As you know, it's just baby girl. Um, Currently, I am the chief experience officer of Curlbox, the first monthly subscription service for naturally curly hair. My superpower lies in my ability to identify trends and market them with flawless executions. Um, sorry, execution, not executions. We're not killing people. Um, yeah, like I just, I just, I really just enjoy what she's about. I think she's super cute and um, I like her clothes. Um, I like her mind. And I thought that it would be great for us to um, chat together. So I chatted with her on Instagram live and I'm basically pointing it here for those who didn't hear the conversation. You can now hear the conversation. So my leak, two slaps on your chest for being an entrepreneurial baby girl, being a mama and doing what you're doing and big up yourself. So yeah, enjoy. Hello. Finally. Finally. We made this happen. We are here. We have arrived. I love you so much. Yeah. This up for myself. Yes. Let me have this down a bit, and I'm just making it worse. Uh, yeah. Well, that'll do. No, okay. this is great. This is yes. great. Finally, my leak. Like, finally, like, 
I'm admiring you from afar. And now we get to do this. We get to do this. I get to see you, be with you. I feel like I've been watching you and then just like, I feel like I've just been having babies and not being able to like catch up with all the people that I want. I feel like our, our kids are like, our old, my oldest is around the same age. And then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, this is great. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, no, I had another one. I'm not having any more. I'm done. <laughs> I am done. I'm still like, I'm still in two minds. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Okay. I, know. I feel like I feel like it's such a change, and this is what I want to talk with you as well about because you know, like people throw it around and they're like, "You're such an inspiration. You're such an inspiration," and I feel like you are one of the first black women, and that's no tea or shade to any other black woman that's been out there, but you know, like who I came across that I could relate to so viscerally, where you weren't like, "Oh, this is all easy because <laughs> I do this and I do it on a handstand and like it's all great." Like you were like, "This is challenging." Yes. And I don't necessarily have a balance, but I make it work. Yeah. Um, you made yeah. me feel comfortable in the discomfort. Um, have you always been that way, like from young? Thank you. Yeah. You know, I felt like I had to learn so much as like a young Black woman, 20 years old. There was just all of these, like, I felt they were just like, cheat codes to life that other people seem to know that I just didn't know. And I said, you know, I want to make this easier for people who are coming along and without the BS, because we know people (laughs) who can like trick you. Like whenever I see like those holiday cards where all the kids are like perfectly dressed and I'm not saying that that's not possible for some people, but it's probably a lot less likely for people. And so I'm like, I really need for us to not be beating ourselves up about being human beings, you know? And I think, you know, every time people are like, you have to extend grace, you have to extend grace. And it's like, do we really have to extend grace to ourselves for being real people and humans? It's like, Mm -hmm. why is the expectation that I be great all the time? And when I'm not great, I need grace. It's like the factories, this is my factory setting, Mm -hmm. which involves like, messing up, feeling the full emotion wheel, you know, and it's not always like pretty. And so that's what I try to do. And just like push myself to not be someone that I wouldn't admire. You know, like I don't get online with my makeup done every day because Mm. I wouldn't feel good about that. It's like, why would I be doing that? Yeah. And why am I lying? Because I know, I know what it would have taken to do all of that. And even, and it's so funny that you say that because even today I was just like, well, I know that we're having this chat. Do I wear makeup? Do I like, what am I doing? I was just like, actually fam, I am exhausted. So I'm not doing that. Like, you know, like I'm just, I'm just not because you know, I'm clothed, I'm bathed. Let that be enough. Let that be enough. (laughs) But so many people are holding themselves back from their dreams because they feel like they need to be made up or like the message, their message can't be messy. Your message doesn't have to be perfected. You Mm. get to learn along the way. And I think there's so much magic. I think I was like, dare to leave an aftertaste. Dare to be someone that's like, you know what? I want to circle back there. I've listened to some old podcasts I did. (laughs) Before I became a mom and like something that I said to a mom who like wrote in and I was like, I am so ridiculous. In this episode. 
I was so ridiculous for what I said, but you know, it's like at all times we are doing the best we can with the tools we have at yes. all. And, and what we know at the time is what we know. And I'm, I'm so viscerally aware of that now. Like I'm giving this advice or I'm giving this perspective from a space of what I currently know. Please allow me to be able to circle back and say, you know what, I've learned some more and this is what I now think. And I think as black women, especially, I feel like we're so afraid to be wrong or we're so afraid to be like, I didn't quite have that hundred percent right. Maybe nothing ever is, but I didn't have that, um, insight that I now have and so these are now my new thoughts because people shame us society shames us and doesn't allow for black women to be quote-unquote wrong I I feel yeah so anything that we're doing we feel that we need to do it behind the scenes or we're just gonna have to be like you know what it is what it is and never refer back to it again Mm -hmm. and I've had instances where literally the tabloids would not let me move away from that until it was addressed directly and I could speak about my growth and then you know go from there and that was a real lesson for me um but that's why I just feel so comfortable whenever I see that you're on live or whatever I'm like I need to be there because (laughs) there is there is so much power in as you say not coming with everything looking quote-unquote perfect because what even is but curlbox you started um, curl boxing, what, 2012? Yeah. Yeah. So 11 years, I can't even believe it. Like I just look, I, I just reposted something and I was like, dang, I've been doing, I was doing that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think about just the nerve that I had, <laughs> the audacity, <laughs> the audacity that I had to try something that I had no idea how to do. You know, it's like I had never shipped more than maybe five or six boxes in my lifetime. When I started <laughs> that. I'm talking about in total, you know, and it's like to go from never, you know, so I didn't know logistics. I didn't know, um, you know, I didn't even really have any contacts, mm-hmm. but I just felt like I have an idea and I am just going to be bold enough to try. And even, you know, I would like bump up against, you know, I'll never forget this one particular marketing executive that took one of like she took she took this one brand to the top of the top like I'm not I don't even have to say what it is but it is like the number one textured hair care brand mm-hmm. and I had this meeting with her and I'm telling her about this good idea that I have and she's like firing off questions at me and she basically was like you're not good enough And let's talk about it, but carry on. Yeah, so she kind of says this to me. And I'm like, you know, I think the most recent podcast interviews I've been doing, I've noticed there's a theme because I see it keeps coming up and it's like, learn how to lose. Because in that moment, I could have just been like, no, she didn't. But when she was like, you're not good enough, I said, okay. I am going to do this a little bit longer and I'm going to come back to you better. And I did, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And she has since she left that brand and, and anytime she has gone somewhere, she calls me. And so I think sometimes it doesn't hurt to take that kind of criticism. And she, cause she was just, she was just asking me tons of questions. What's mm-hmm. this ROI? What's this? And I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. And I was like, okay, but I think that I won her over by being a good loser, you know? Yes. 
yes and that is that has taken me a while and I don't even think sometimes that I still am you know like I feel like there's some losses that hurt a bit more you know like there's some losses that hurt a bit more that you have to still be a bit cheeky with it and be yeah. like oh they're dickheads anyway like yeah. you just you just have to yeah. 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 <laughs> but for the most part it is about being able to take that constructive feedback because let somebody like somebody telling you about yourself today. I literally put it in my Instagram stories today. Let somebody tell you about yourself today. So nobody has to tell you about yourself tomorrow. Because now when those reviews start coming in, she's told you this, 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 it's not quite where it needs to be yet. Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. You don't know. This is how black women are hating on each other. I'm going to go and do my thing. And then you go and do that thing. And then you're not delivering the boxes on time. Two weeks, this, things are missing. But, and then the reviews start looking crazy. Then what? Yeah. You know, so and and so I I'm so inspired by the fact that you were able to see through that and keep the resilience and the vision and be like, okay, I'll go back, I'll come back, I'm gonna go and do this and I'll be back and then look where you are because it's phenomenal. It's the first box for for textured hair, right? In America. Yeah, yeah, yeah the first box in the world well, that I know of. Yeah, I think it was after you, but then I started seeing more subscription boxes coming out. And yeah. you're you're a trendsetter, you're a goal setter, you're a pace setter. What? Thank you. I'm gonna put these headphones in because yeah. I'm hold on. It's, you've got, it's gone quiet, but let's see if it connects. Yeah, it's connected now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. It was starting to get somebody's blowing leaves, and I'm like, let me cut the noise out. <laughs> but yeah. And so that was the thing is that I was like, you know, she asked me very real questions that I didn't have answers to, and she kind of just was like you know, I'm very busy. I'm very busy working with like one of the best brands in the world. And so, you know, kind of like come back to me. She didn't kick me fully to the curb. And so it kind of is what it is. And so I think that like, that kind of has been my message is like being a good loser and giving yourself room to evolve. Like I saw somebody comment and was like, you do have to give yourself grace. And it's like, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is you have to first make sure that you are giving yourself room to be human. Yeah, because Grace would inf- it would infer that, oh, this is bad, but sometimes this is just the setting. Like, this is just the default setting. And there has to be a sense of indifference to that as opposed yes. to, oh, I'm giving myself grace. Like, c- compassion all the time. Like, I, I get it, but I, I you know, yeah. I, I get what Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, I have to give myself grace if I don't like feed my child this one particular meal. <laughs> Every yeah. day is like, that's just reality. Nobody's yeah. mom was extending grace to themselves when you had hot dogs for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I had a similar experience. I remember when I was on my, I don't know, 5,000 followers or maybe just a bit more than that. Uh, and I spoke with this person who was uh, managing a really big influencer at the time. And I was just like, I know what I'm doing on my page is has the ability or is you know has the potential to really resonate with lots of people so what should I be doing and all of that and she was basically like yeah love your energy love what you're doing but um I don't really um you know get myself into any sort of um, advice or um, dealings with anybody that's got less than 10,000 followers I love that in my head. And I was just like, cool, I'm not coming back to you, though. Like, in my mind, I was just like, I'm not coming back to you. So in the way that you went back to this marketing exec, I knew that I'm not going back to this person because there was something about 
to me, it's about quality, not quantity. If you believed in what I was doing, you would also see that I could get this where it needs to be. But you want to work from somewhere and everybody has their boundaries. Everyone has their things. So sure enough, I was just like, I'm going to go and do it my way. Continue doing what I'm doing um, and just see how it goes. And I do believe that when you really love something, I think the energy of that really is infused into what you do and that you get where you need to get to. And I think that that was only like, I think, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago, four, four years maybe yeah four and a half years that I had that conversation with that person and it's it's working out it's it's just fine so there is something about that like taking on the feedback and going I'm gonna go and do this anyway um how is it how do you find it because I've got my pole dance studio you've got the incredible curl box um amongst all the many other things that you do right um how do you find it to delegate because I remember you were talking about it once and how ego really has to come out of it when you are delegating because you're not going to be able to do everything and you have to be okay with the way that it is done. Yeah. You know, it's been such a journey, honestly, with delegating things because I was like, this is going to be a conversation that I have with my daughter, hopefully in the next 20 years is that people still aren't really ready to show up for black women the way that they should. It's not all in your mind. And the, and, and people want to like gaslight you into just being like, Oh, it's you. It's the way you say things. It's the way you do things. But the mm. truth of the matter is that I have noticed that people will, and this is not what you asked me, but I just feel like I need to put this in front of everything that I say. I have I have worked alongside other people and, and people have taken the same thing that I have said from a man and it somehow resonates or it hits a little bit different. Same thing from a white woman, same thing from someone else. And so I feel like it's, if you are someone who's having a difficult time delegating, just know that it's not all in your mind that everybody just doesn't show up for you the way that they should. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to just this idea that you have to lean on and be able to lean on people, I have found that the thing that tends to work best for me is being crystal clear about what I need. And a lot of us aren't clear and I've struggled with Mm -hmm. that myself, being clear about what I need and being really clear about the boundaries, you know what I Mm -hmm. mean? And so if you ask someone to do something that you're delegating and they come back with all the excuses in the world and everything about this, the dog ate my homework, you just have to be come back to the, come back to the line of like, this is what I need. This is when I need it. And if you aren't the person that can do it, I'm going to move on. And you just cannot beat yourself up about the idea that you might have to move through quite a few people and people mm. will be like, Oh, if you have to move through a bunch of people, then it's, it's you and it's not them. And it's like, no, you just, just might have to, to them. <laughs> I could be, I, maybe I'm just specific about what I need and I've just not got it yet. So. Yeah. And that's just, I think that that's the, the tough part. And so I've taken, I've read all the books, I've taken all the classes I've been coached and I have just come down to the fact that I was like, Y'all still are not ready to show up for black women like mm-hmm. you say you are. And it's and it's and I say this to black women too. I need y'all to show up for us as well. And yeah. so it just gets difficult. And so I do hope that by the time my daughter becomes the boss that I know she will be, mm-hmm. that I will be telling her about the time where it wasn't that way for me, you know? But, yeah. but I'm so glad it's that way for her. Yeah. It better it better change. It better yeah, change. I think no, you're 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 this again because you're just mad real with it because that's really what it is. And that's why I asked about delegating because I thought it was just me. No. Because like I started this pole studio 
2016, based off all the nonsense that happened that I experienced at other Pulse Studios, why I own Pulse Studios. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start my own thing. And I actually only started my own thing because um, Black American women saw the story about the twer uh, this twerk incident go viral. And they're like, why don't you just open your own space? And I just never considered myself in that regard because I just thought I'm just an actor, you know, and I perform and I have these skills, but I'm focusing on acting. And then that came up and I thought, let me respond to it and let me do it and you know here I am there was a point where I was teaching all those classes I'd work in the office in like um at a university I'd work pretty much full-time then I would go um and go and teach on my own studio till like you know 11 o'clock and then I would stay in and I'll clean up it would hit midnight and then that then I'd be traveling home and I'd repeat the same thing the next day and so I know what it takes to run something literally by yourself yeah. so if I'm now saying to you I just need you to run this portion or just do this portion to me to this level. And then you start coming to me with any manner of principality of excuses. Surely we're going to have, we're going to have a problem, but then it turns into, Oh, you're too strict. You're too this, you're too that. And of course you have to allow movement and flexibility on certain things, but there are certain things that they're literally part of my personal ethos. And I'm not shifting on that. Punctuality definitely is one of them. Like, you know, I ask um, teachers and um, people to get there half an hour early and things like that. And then, you know, I've had it in the past where somebody would just like rock up five minutes before their class is about to start one time, two times. The third time, OK, you can't this is not going to run. You can't do this anymore. You need to go because it's literally written in your agreement that I don't tolerate this. And this is your third time. Well, I thought we were building your brand together. I thought we were building your business together. Listen, Lego. No, we're not. Get out. Get out. I'm telling you that this, I have heard every version of this story for Black women in business. And I was like, it's not all in your head. Because if you were any other thing other than a Black woman, people would be coming on time. They wouldn't think they were building your business with you. They would think that they were just working. But it's this idea that there's this video that I saw on Instagram yesterday and I should have reposted it. It was a, like a kind of a coming clean by this white woman that was like, I started this job and there was a black woman who started at the exact same time and she excelled in every way and she blew past me and I was, and I was mad about it. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I realized it was internalized racism. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think yeah. there's so much internalized racism, bias, you know, it's like, it's so difficult to work to like, you know, okay, I'm going to hire all black women, but there's this, this idea that we start, we're starting at the same place because we look alike, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and it's like, yeah. we're not actually starting at the same place. I have given up so much more. I have yeah. risked so much more. Yeah. There is so much more on the line. And so, like I said, I just, no one has written the book. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you write it. No one has written the book. Are you going to write it? I, maybe, but nobody <laughs> has written the book about, you know, our businesses can't get ahead and we can't have more of what we like and want if we can't show up for each other or other people can't show up for us. It's like you literally, you know, have no one and that, that can't be it. 
Yeah, and I can't tell, I went to Parliament, the Houses of Parliament over here the other day um, to be part of a roundtable that we were discussing business and entrepreneurship. And everybody was like talking about angel investments and this and that. And all I really had to put on the table was, fam, I'm tired of incubators. I don't need an incubator. I don't need to be like um, babied. Like I've gotten my business to this point. I need money just yeah. give me like that's I don't need you know, I don't need you to bring somebody to come and mentor me I'm no. good I just need break me awesome yeah. like and so I think about that as well when you say that it's like I'm looking at all of these um kind of like black investment people angel investors everybody popping up but I'm like but you're all still using a white centered and I would go there almost to say a white supremacist ideological construct in how you go about choosing the yes. brands that you're going to support yes and and to me, that is also a problem because the whole point of you being there, I would hope, is that you would see the nuances that's involved in a black business, like existing in a black brand or you know a black entrepreneur doing what they're doing. Not that you now come and tell them to jump through 511 hoops like everybody else did. So you're right. Like we do need to show up for each other. I've had it where um, white women specifically have come to the poll studio. It looks cute. Um, I want to do some things to get it to look cuter but they'll come in and they're genuinely shocked by how well like how nice it looks and you know how well it's run and then they'll go well done yeah 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 and I'm like um do you have a business because the well you know you know the well done almost feels like oh yes or um something more they 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 know they know that it's run by a black woman and they'll start doing things that they don't do at white oak studios like they'll be late and they'll say oh well because I didn't get my full session because I was late um would I be able to get an extra session next time no ma'am I slap you <laughs> I just want to know is it can we both make audacious requests is yeah because you were late yeah I don't you know I I feel like you know I don't think that I will see the change, but I'm hopeful that for my daughter, when she comes along, that that she will experience or she will see the change. But it's just, it's unfortunate, but you know, it's real. Um, And I feel like that needs to be the larger conversation. You know why? Because we've worked hard enough. We've hustled hard enough. We've gotten all the education. We did all the shit y'all said we needed to do. And we're still sitting here like, I need some more doors open for me. You're you're willing to take a risk. There is a particular um, entrepreneur that has failed but like can continuously come back with more with one business idea after another after another and it's like why is it that other people are getting rewarded for failure and i have to prove myself beyond what is even reasonable mm-hmm. for you to support or like give me the capital or the cash that i need and so i don't know um i feel like we're getting there but it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be a journey and somebody's just uh, uh, written, what you're talking about is prayer. It will change the atmosphere. And I do believe in prayer. I do believe in prayer. And I do believe that there are systemic and, and institutional things, barriers that it's not just enough with prayer. We actually need support, like active support. I think that sometimes prayer is a passive way of looking at every situation. Um, I do believe in active prayer, of course, all of those things. But you, it's not just about prayer it is about systems changing it is about institutions changing um 
so no I appreciate that you mentioned about working hard and um, all of these things but what I love about you baby your sense of style is a madness when you popped on them JW Andersons I said my good sis where can I buy <laughs> me too I must enjoy in this life amen, <laughs> amen. Uh... You know, it's, I I feel so stuck in the middle of like fashion because I'm always like wanting to have style, but always wanting to be practical because I really do like seeing money in the bank and Mm -hmm. money can't, money is typically not in the bank and in your closet, you know what I mean? And so I really try to buy things that I know I'm going to love. And if I know I'm going to love it and get the cost per wear out of it, then, you know, it's really not like I have this, you know, I have this like Chanel bag that I bought myself. It's like a push present when I have my son, but my yes. I was like, <laughs> I deserve, um, I deserve. And I mean, it was expensive. It's not as expensive as the Chanel bag today, but when I tell you I've worn this bag nearly every day since I had my son, uh, four and a half years ago, like yeah. if you just do the math, it was worth it versus yeah. buying stuff to then sit in my closet. And so that's my um that's my excuse for buying things that I want no but you know I think that it's a reason it's a reason as opposed to like an excuse and like you have a beautiful for me you're having a beautiful sense of style because of that practicality I can't go outside with a chandelier on my head in the day to day I have a child like a right. and a half year old child that I need to watch so that's not practical for me so you deliver style in a way that it just speaks to me that you wear something I'm like mm, yes yes and I love that because there's this idea that and I do understand why and I do understand that you know there are certain factors and there's certain things that we've done that allows for us to be able to do certain things all right cool but I still don't want to be trapped sometimes in this mummy archetype where people are expecting you to roll up to places disheveled I know we just had the conversation about makeup but what I'm saying is like they expect you like I'll wear something cute and somebody will be like oh well done mama Is it? Is it? Is it well done? It's so. I know. I know. I was thinking. I would like. I picked my son up from school the other day, and I don't typically do pick up. And I had on. It was cold, but I had just taken. Like I like. I like to take bath to the point of like, uh, like I'm sitting in tea. Like I am a tea bag, and I like. I like it really hot. So yeah. I like jumped out and I was so hot and I put on this like off the shoulder sweater and it was kind of like, kind of like had like little holes in it. And every mm-hmm. parent, or I should just say particular parents were so concerned with whether or not I was cold. And oh. and it's like, just because I came up here and flexed on y'all with this little off the shoulder <laughs> situation, don't worry about me don't worry about me and if I'm cold and whatever I'm doing you just worry about you you Let worry me about and hypothermia talk yeah me and my friend <laughs> hypothermia we will talk later you you, you focus on you okay yeah yeah, yeah. and I was and I was I was so irritated because I was trying to tell my son I'm like okay come on it's time to go they were like this one was like because because she's cold and I'm like but I'm not <laughs> But why are you so worried about what I have on and what I'm yeah. wearing? And just like, but like you said, it's just this idea that like, if you're a mom, you either, I, I feel like 
I just try to show up as somewhere in the middle. It's like sometimes I am a little bit on the raggedy side, but I have found my little like day-to-day mom, the, the, the makeup that I feel good about yeah. wearing. But I also don't think it's realistic to be wearing all of these like off the top, over the top clothes when your kids are around you and they're going to touch you. Like, yeah. you know, they're going to yeah. be touching. My kids are like very free. And it's like, I don't want to get dirty with y'all. Mm, I'm going to yeah. save this. I'm going to save this for, for when I'm walking out the door. Yeah. So. No, but you're right. It is that balance. So that's literally, for me, what it is. Like, I just want to step out and let me step out as Kelechi. Do not, when I step out, start saying, well done, mama. Ooh, mama. God. Like, I'm just Kelechi. There's something about your identity outside of motherhood that I do feel like people try to rob you of. Um, and I don't know, it bothers me. I don't know. I'm a little, I think because I'm so in like mom life, you have two kids and you just can't escape what? it. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. I'm just saying, I'm yeah, saying yeah. you, once you have yeah. two, you're mama, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's like you, it's a little bit, it gets tricky. I, me and my friend always joke, like one kid is a handbag. So you're in the like handbag phase. Yes. Yes. Like, you're like, put it down. yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, don't call me mama. Like I'm still moving around. But when yes. you get two, you're like, I guess I am mama. <laughs> <laughs> And this is one of those situations where we're going to circle back. And I'm yeah. like, Monique, you were right. Like, yes, yes, yes. I, yes, I, yes, I yes. am mama. You are mama. I was like, you were, you, me and my friend always go, what is like a handbag to? It was like, you're a mama. Like, just claim it, own it. It is who you are for the moment until, until yeah. the one is out of diapers. Oh, no, I yes. love that. And Noah, thank you so much. I know that I only had a little bit of your time yeah. um, this afternoon. But um, hopefully, I mean, you're in LA, right? I moved to Atlanta, shoot, 14, 14 years ago. So I'm in Atlanta. Um, uh-huh. I want to come visit you because I just finished reading. You were saying like the tabloids and it's like, I had an idea of like what they were like, but now that I have like, I just finished Harry's book and now I'm reading something else. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, this, this is crazy. It's a madness. It's a madness. Yeah. It's I don't even, I don't even, I mean, it's the, the intensity, you know? Yeah. So the fact I see you on the news and I mean, the fact that you just like are holding your own and continue to hold your own. Like we need you. We need your voice. Your voice thank has you. value, you know what I mean? And so thank I think you. we're just showing up in, in all the spaces, you know, every time I see you say something, I'm like this, she, she's got it. You know? Yeah. Well, well, let me know when you're coming through. I appreciate you so much. And mm-hmm. thank you, honestly. And like I said, like I don't throw the word inspiration around a lot, but you really helped me uh, without realizing really carve out where I wanted to be and where, you know, how to navigate motherhood in the early days when I had my son, just by seeing you living, traveling, um, just looking incredible and just coming on sometimes and just like saying it as it is, like you, just by you showing up as you, you've really helped me to step into or start crafting another identity different to the one that I've always known for these past few, however, years. So God bless you for that. And if you're coming through to London, holla. I mean, I'm coming to New York in April. So I don't know how the distance between Atlanta and New York. You never know, a couple hours. You never know, Mm -hmm. but I definitely want to come to London. I want to bring my kids. uh, I want to bring my kids over there. So I'll keep you posted. I'll come, I'll come to the studio. I I don't have to I need to court. <laughs> okay, I do because I want to take a class. So awesome, awesome. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation and her podcast. Um, I don't think it's been updated since 2021, but it's called My Leak Teal's podcast, actually. My Taught Me is just um 
her site and her other bits that she does. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed that conversation and you can follow uh, my leak, like just great vibes, just really great vibes. Um, but yeah, two slaps on your chest, baby girl. And yeah, if you're all thinking about starting something again, don't, don't get knocked down. I get knocked down. Hey, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. That's a word. Spirit really put that in my soul to sing to you all. Remember, you can get knocked down, but you get back up again, baby. So if you've got that idea, if you've got something that's really speaking to you that you want to do, do it, do it. And if somebody says to you, you know, maybe, you know, go away and think about this and think about that. That's not necessarily the worst thing to hear. If at least it's something that you can work with. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's that for share your magnificence. Um, remember to keep sending in your letters that I can read out loud. Um, and of, of course the private ones as well. Um, please send them to SYM at Kaleshiokar4.com. Um, I appreciate ya. Uh, all right, mad. <laughs> so you mad where we're looking at the current affairs, pop culture and all the bits that are just happening generally that don't necessarily deserve a straw, but they do deserve like to be talked about. So um, what's his name? Nadim Zahawi that um, was working as part of Rishi Sunak's uh, government. Carol Vorderman has really, really been dealing with him and baiting up all of his tax affairs Like he's been moving very, very mad And um, yeah, he's been fired now He's been fired by um, What's his face? He's been fired by Rishi Sunak As of today And um, the news was like re- Literally like shared this morning And I'm glad But then you can't fire They didn't fire him for all of his tax infringements Or the, all of the things that he's been doing there Because they can't really Because everybody's been moving the same Everybody's been moving the same, so they can't be like, "Oh yeah," because you open, you like, you will show everybody's pata, like you'll show everybody's pata, like you'll bait everybody up. So, they, it's funny to me that he's already they've moved him to minister without portfolio. Was that what he was before? Ha! Anyway, he's been sacked. Um, it says here, um, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has sacked Conservative Party Chair Nadim Zahawi following weeks of revelations about his tax affair. Um, uh, his tax affairs. The prime minister says it is clear that there has been a serious breach of the ministerial code. And that's interesting because Suella Braverman or Braverman or whatever they call her, that hawk-faced handmaid, um, handmaiden of uh, Lucifer, she also broke the ministerial code as part of, um, wasn't it um, Liz Truss's government? Wasn't it Liz Truss's government um, or cabinet? And you went and hired her. So if you know of an, a politician or a member of parliament to break ministerial code and you know that it's grounds to sack them, how the hell did you hire Suella on those grounds as well? What? Everybody's mad. So Rishi needs to go, <laughs> Rishi needs to go himself. Um, it says here, Rishi Sunak ordered an investigation after it emerged that Zahawi paid a penalty to HMRC while he was chancellor um, over previously unpaid tax. The um was it ordered after it emerged that paid a penalty. Yep. The investigation led by independent ethics advisor Sir Laurie Magnus found that Zahawi's conduct fell short of what was expected in government. Specifically, the investigation found that Zahawi failed to declare as a conflict of interest and HMRC investigation into his taxes when he became chancellor. 
Um, Zahawi also failed to declare that he paid a penalty to HMRC when he was appointed to list trust and then Rishi Sunak's cabinet. The investigation found in Zahawi's letter responding to his sacking, he told Sunak to expect his full support from the back benches, um, which means like, yeah, I know that you had to throw me under the bus, but both of us can't go down together. Brown boys for life. Brown boys for life. He said, I will take it. I will take, I will take the fall. Um, opposition parties say that Sunak took too long to sack Zahawi and with the Labour Party saying the government is um, mired by mired in sleaze. And that is true. So Rishi should now be packing his belongings. I know that he really knelt on that floor and um, he really touched his head to the ground um, and thanked um, his gods for being there. But fam, you need to pack up your load and be going because none of you know what you're doing. And I don't know, more is needed from the Labour Party, but I'm not even going to start going all the way into that because we need a robust government and that's not what we're seeing. And while I'm at it, Sajid Javid should shut his fucking mouth. He just talks and I'm just like, just shut your fucking mouth. Um, But yeah, that's all I really wanted to share that. It seems like yet again, the House of Cards is tumbling down really tumbling down. I don't know what's going to happen when I'm 51 and running a country, but I hope I do better than this. That's all I know. Um, On the subject of this country and its wayward ways, Alan, um, what's his name? Alan Cumming. Wasn't he in The Good Wife? He was, was he in The Good Wife? If he was, he was great in The Good Wife. I swear he was. Um, Anyway, he's returned his OBE. He said, um, it's not a bit of me. That's not what he literally said. But basically, it's not a bit of me. Realise how the empire was going in. I don't want to be part of that. Have your OBE back. Um, Yes, it says here, Alan Cumming has given back the OBE he received 14 years ago. The actor, 58, announced on Friday that he had handed back the honour he had received in 2009 for his activism for equal rights for the gay and lesbian community. Um, He said the death of Queen Elizabeth II, the conversations around the monarchy and the way the British Empire profited at at the expense and death of indigenous peoples um, had opened my eyes. Taken to Instagram on his 58th birthday, he told his 4,700 and, sorry, 4,000, sorry, 400. <laughs> Kelechi, come and see your life. You can't read math. This is why Rishi Sunak said all of you should go out and should learn math for, for longer. Because how is 479,000 beating your ass? In this 2023, but it just shows you my mind is not fully here. Basically, let me tell you why my mind is not here. We all, all my, my siblings, well, not Sadiq, but my sibling, um, who's coming, God willing, he'll come on a podcast soon. But um, we're, we're meeting, um, my brother and I, we're meeting at my mum's and my mum said that she's cooked. And I really, really hope that she'd made, like she's made fried stew and it will do because the way that I will demolish the way that I will discombobulate Amala right now, Amala and it would do. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm starving. I am starving. So, oh, so my mind keeps going to the fact that I really need to go and eat something at my mum's. Like I know that she'll have all the food, or she might have made jollof rice, something, something. 
But you know that there's nothing like good, good, good food that your mama's cooked. I'm talking generally because some of you will be like, well, I don't have a great relationship with my mama. I understand it. Been there. I understand it. Like, all I'm saying is that her food slaps. Objectively speaking, my mum's food slaps. So I need to go and get involved. But this isn't even the first time, first time that I've told you that on the show. Anyway, see, I'm going off on a tangent again. If let me reverse it. I'm gonna flip it and reverse it. Let me go back to what I was talking about. Anyway, back to the number that was beating my ass. 479,000 followers. Taking to Instagram on his 58th birthday, he told his 479,000 followers he wanted to share with them something I recently did for myself. I returned my OBE, he revealed, explaining he did not want to be associated with the toxicity of the British Empire. He said he was incredibly grateful to have been awarded an OBE in 2009, which he received both for his acting and for his activism for equal rights for the gay and lesbian community, um, USA. I don't know what that is. Coming explained that at the, t- at the time, same-sex marriage was illegal and gay couples could not enjoy the same basic legal rights as straight people, including openly queer people being unable to serve in the military. Having been honoured at the time, Cumming has now decided to hand back the OBE following the death of Queen Elizabeth II and the conversation around the British Empire's bloody history. He wrote, The Queen's death and the ensuing conversations about the role of monarchy and especially the way the British Empire profited at the expense and death of Indigenous peoples across the world really opened my eyes. He looks so cute in that kilt. Jesus, he's working that tartan. Also, Thankfully, times and laws in the U.S. have changed and the great good um, and the award brought to the LGBTQ plus uh, cause back in 2009 is now less potent than the misgivings I have been associated with the toxicity of empire. Um, OBE stands for the Officer of the British Empire. I thought it was Order of the British Empire. Anyway, Cummings said... He returned his award, having explained my reasons and reiterated my great gratitude for being given given it in the first place. I'm now back to being plain old Alan Cumming again. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday to ya. Happy coming. Oh, wait. Maybe that didn't work. Anyway. <laughs> I'm so glad. Now I need all of you other trinkets of the empire people to come and see your mate. Especially those of you who are his age mate. Come and see your mate. Because you lot are still accepting this thing and you're going, yeah, but my ancestors would be proud. Unless your ancestors were on crack, why would your ancestors be proud of such? Your ancestors were living in the midst. They were, they were, they were living in the midst of that, of that struggle. And then now you want to hypothesize their struggle and say that this would be of benefit to them, that they would be proud of this. I don't ever want to have to pull cards for your ancestors if that's how they're rolling, because we have nothing to talk about. And while we're on that subject, I think it's interesting because I'm really going to talk about some things today and you can cry if you motherfucking want to. I think it's interesting how some of you have so much vim for like people where you're like, oh, they've, they, you know, they've got a white partner. Oh, I really enjoy what Kalechi does, but you know, da, 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 da. And yet you have family members. In fact, some of you even have accepted awards that have literally empire at the end of it, but you want to speak on my name. Don't you think that that plank of wood in your eye should come out first? 
focus. Focus. Anyway, moving on up, moving on now. I can't can stop me. Anyway, that's a word. But um, yeah, I thought I'd share that. Oh, I almost forgot about Emmanuel and Nacho. Oh, I almost forgot about that girl. Anyway, Emmanuel used to be um, a former NFL player during the, oh God, Kelechi, stay on task, stay on task. I'm not going to touch my phone. So I remember to talk about Emmanuel because somehow I did not remember to put him in my notes before I started recording. So let me stay on Alan Cumming for just a little bit more, like just for a little bit longer. Um, Yes. Back to what I was saying. Some people, um, quite a lot of people, a few people were tweeting about the fact that why did it take him so long? But we need to ask ourselves, we're talking about why did it take him so long? People are accepting in this day and now, in this day and like right now, this second, people are, people are still accepting. So it took him 14 years. So he did it. He did it. And there are other people that are kneeling. You're kneeling and you're saying Black Lives Matter, but you're still going to go and collect colonial trinkets. I'm hoping that from what Alan Cumming has done, other people, other people, and other people can now see, look at his reasoning. I mean, it's funny that he waited until um, Lizzie went on down to um, give it back, but whatever. The fact of the matter is, and that's another thing that the the royal family in the palace need to consider, that more people will probably give back their trinkets, their colonial trinkets, under Charles and William than with Queen Elizabeth because they would have felt like, you know, that they had a per- personal attachment to her, almost matriarchal, motherly, all of that. No, they don't have that for Charles and William. They do not. So they're going to be way more critical about keeping the thing that links them to their, to those Jankros. So they are likely to give it back. Is what I'm saying. Anyway, listen to his reasoning. He learned, and I, and I, I, and I, want to say monarchy, fuck you. Ooh. Anyway, that's by the by. Um, I would like to think that Alan Cummings saw my video where I was bawling, where I was crying at the, the sheer fuckery that I was seeing when you lot were, were queuing, queuing to see uh, a ham sandwich in a coffin, queuing for hours, unbathed, unwashed, unseasoned. You were crossing your raincoats, queuing to see that wench. And um, I like to think that he saw me crying and he went, oh, little black girl, don't cry. I'll give it back. I would like to think that people saw that video and it moved them because really, a baby girl like me was really barling on the internet. That's going to keep that video forever and ever. But I don't give a motherfuck, you know? I don't give a motherfuck. And I think that that is something that in this 2023, I really, really want to stand firmly in that I do not give a single motherfuck. I've talked about it on the podcast before in previous episodes, but I'm willing to show up as holy as possible. Holy, holy, holy. Oh, piss off, Justin Bieber. Um. I'm willing to show up as holy as possible if it means that there will be any sort of change in this life. So you can be in your WhatsApp groups clowning me because my face isn't beat and I'll be making these videos with my phone after I run and my locks are still doing what my locks are trying to do. But the fact is, 
when I go to sleep, I'm happy with who I am and what I've done. What can you say for yourself, Mrs. Soft Life, Mr. 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 Um, doing um, um, Louis Vuitton wash bag as your man bag? What can you lot say for yourselves? You go to bed miserable and you project your misery onto other people because you stand for nothing. And that's why life is beating you. It's beating you down. You can't admit it, but your life lacks substance. It lacks, it lacks pizzazz. Me, I can hand on heart say that I am proud of who I am and I'm proud of what I'm doing in the world. And I know that a lot of these stinking motherfuckers cannot say the same. So I like to think that Alan saw my video of me barling and he was like, okay, I'll give it back. And I would like to think that somebody else who I've supported greatly might have seen that video and went, hmm, what am I going to do about my colonial trinket? Many people who I've supported, I would like to think that you would consider what you're doing about your colonial trinkets too. But again, each to their own. If you like it, I'd love to say that I love it, but I still fucking hate it. But you do you. All right? You do you. Um, but now I can get into Emmanuel Enacho. So um, let me tell you a bit about him in case you don't know. See, I've always thought he was a bit somehow. Um, I've always thought he, I remember he was wearing a t-shirt one time on Instagram where it says something like, um, either like, I'm a good black man or there are some of us good black men left. And I was just like, oh, fuck off. Fuck off. Like, if you have to wear a t-shirt to say that, you are not you are not the good black man. You are not the good black man. This is false advertising. Like, you, would not, you do not need to wear a shirt. It's like if somebody wore a shirt and it said ally. I'd be like, fuck you. You are the, 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 most, the, the least ally of the allies available. You are not part of the alliance. You are a lying. Okay? Right. Anyway, Emmanuel Acho, that's his name. I even added a Nacho. Emmanuel Chinedum Acho is a Nigerian-American former linebacker who played in the National Football League and is currently working as an analyst for Fox Sports 1. He played college football at Texas before being drafted by the Cleveland Browns in the sixth round of the 2012 NFL Draft. Why do I care about this? Um, in 2013, he was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles, where he played until retiring from the sport in 2015. In addition to his broadcasting responsibilities, he created and hosted an anti-racism digital series, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. He published a book with the same title. He released the second book, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Boy, of which both became New York Times bestselling books. I don't know what time New York is on, but I have questions as to how some of these books become bestsellers. But I won't go into that. Again, let me not say, if I speak, they'll say that I'm speaking. Let me say on subject. A lot of people became anti-racist talking heads during 2020 when they knew sweet fuck all and continue to know sweet fuck all about anything to do with racism, white supremacy or critical race theory. A lot of people that some of you admire know sweet fuck all about what they're talking about, but you just like them because they give you funny quips and ha-has and la-di-das. And this is one of those people. Uh, these are one of those people. He's an opportunist. 
He's an opportunist. He doesn't know anything. And why do I know that? Let's listen to what he said when he was talking with, was it Van Lathan? He was talking with Van Lathan um, and Rachel Lindsay on their podcast, I think it was. Um, and they were basically calling him out on some some of the things that he's been saying about blackness and racism. He's basically one of those people that goes into white spaces, goes into corporate spaces and makes it out like, hey, racism isn't that bad. You lot haven't done terrible things. It's okay. We can work through this. I'm cool. I'm a cool black man. I'm one of the good black men. Everything's okay. And yeah, Van Lathan was just like, nah, you can't run that. But let me see if I can play it for you. Hold on. Be a better person. So many apologize to you. And I'm, I apologize to you, Rachel, too, for sucking up all the oxygen in that interview. And I know the gentleman is your friend. I'm sorry. He is right. I am angry for so many reasons. I'm mad. And I, and I need to be a better person in so many ways. There's so many ways I need to be a better person. So many ways I need to be more of an ally to black women. So basically that was just Van Lathan talking about um, the fact when he was coming at, uh, what is his name? In Emmanuel, he lost his shit basically. And he didn't really give Rachel much time to speak. I want to know why some of these um, light-skinned black women, it was the same with that one that used to be on The Breakfast Club, um, Ange- Angela Yee. Um, they don't say much. Like, why are you letting these people talk over you, fam? Large up your chest. Say what you need to say. Anyway, um, yeah, it it was the very kind of detached way that, um, what is it, Emmanuel was talking about blackness in the midst of people talking about um, police brutality. Like, you can't keep, it's weird. It it was just very, very weird. But no, let me find you the actual clip. That was just um, him. um, That was Van Lathan apologizing to Rachel because he really had to, he went all the way in on this guy. But let's see, I think this, this one, hold on. Because I've been in them rooms when they say, oh, when white people say, well, racism doesn't exist. I know why they say that. Because I've been in them rooms when they saying that. Mm-hmm. When I kick it with black people and they're like, all white people are racist. Hmm. I know why you're saying that. All the while, I have the privilege and luxury of not having generational trauma because <laughs> my parents were born in Nigeria. So, man, my method is removing some of the sting um, because I don't have that sting and trying to deliver a message in a manner that people can receive it. Okay. Let me tell you why what you just said offends me. Okay. All right. You saying that you don't have generational trauma and you didn't mean it this way, but the reason, and, and it's, I have to name it. You saying that you don't have any generational trauma in some way meaning or that in some way meaning that your delivery method to white people is going to be either more effective or more sanitized is to me dangerous. And let me tell you why. Everybody that you just named and what you're talking about does what they do in different ways. I don't think that any of the things that they do are necessarily harmful. But what I could say is a black man, a prominent one, acting as an emotional butler for white people and serving them the most milk toast, unspicy, unseasoned brand of racial discourse and accountability possible could definitely be harmful. Like we're fighting for our lives. And to me, having a conversation like that at that particular time, it's not that it's a different method. Everybody has a different method. Is that 
it's the wrong method is that it gives cover for oh when white wow things were said and um when that video was posted van wrote i'm not sure he he added emmanuel who's now deactivated because he was getting flogged he was getting flogged yes yes good he said i'm um he tagged him and he was like emmanuel acho i'm not sure um, what you intended to convey by stating your Nigerian background frees you from generational trauma or of generational trauma and takes the sting out of your conversations with white people. But it feels like you're purposefully other you've purposefully othered yourself from the descendants of slaves. Why? Um, and yeah, I just. This is why you can't just keep giving any and everybody a platform. But it goes back to what I said before, that certain people are given the platform because the powers that be in terms of these white spaces know that you do not have the fucking range. They know that you don't have the range. So they'd rather you come in with your asinine perspective, your stupid takes. Come and say that because then it means that no actual work needs to be done because you, silly motherfucker, have you haven't done the work. You haven't done the work and they'll give you the money. They'll pay you big bucks. They'll give you all the money to come and say these things because they know that you have no impact to the power structure. They know that you have no impact to the status quo. And how dare you, Emmanuel, then turn around and be critiquing and criticizing the people who are saying things in a way more direct way than you are. Because you think that how you do it takes the sting out of it. The reason there is no sting, there is no bite, there is no bark. You got nothing. You got nothing, mate. Like nothing. You've got no zhuzh. You've got no Jenny Sanquan, also known as Jenna Sequa. You don't have it. All right? You do not have it. And so many people got book deals. They're doing, um, so they're now talking heads. They're doing this, you're doing that. Because of 2020, anybody was just being grabbed anywhere. And people were jumping on it that now I'm I'm anti-racist, this, I'm anti. You don't know what you're fucking talking about. How are you fucking anti-racist? But somebody tells you to say white supremacy, say the say the term, and your mouth will be doing. Blah, 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 blah. You can't bring yourself to say it. You're not about that life. And then you make those of us who are more direct in the way that we um, deliver things. You make us look like the bad guys because we're saying the things that actually need to be said. Piss off. And the fact that you had the audacity, the fucking cheat, the fucking gall, the temerity, to say, oh. Because, you know, my parents are from Nigeria or whatever, whatever. I don't suffer from generational trauma. Are you a fucking idiot? That high top on your head, has it made all of the sense in your head evaporate? Is, is your high top with that little Kong Kong fade that you have on the side, is that actually your common sense leaving your head? Because I, why is the common sense leaving you through your follicles? What are you talking about? Sometimes some of you just need to be good looking in the corner and shut the fuck up because you've got nothing else to offer the collective. Just go and run your, um, your yards and put, and line back wherever you're lining back, but don't come and put, come and don't come and line back on conversations about critical race theory. You ain't got it. How can you say that you're, you don't have generational trauma? So that makes you able, almost as if you're saying anybody that has generational trauma lacks the ability, lacks the foresight or the, and the insight to be able to convey um, or to understand what is happening in a, um, around them and to be able to convey that effectively to 
white people essentially you think that somehow you're the you're the white person whisperer you're the white people whisperer yeah wow the wpw that is what you are wow you left the nfl to become the wpw wow incredible scenes the fact that nigeria is even called nigeria is part of our generational trauma you fucking idiots It really aggravates me because lots of people are talking and they're refusing to do the work. They're refusing to learn first before they start yapping on platforms that people will take this on and believe it to be a truth. Your parents suffered generational trauma. That's what, and and you you will be impacted by that generational trauma because they fled Nigeria to America. Nigeria is an amalgamation of different ethnicities of people Different different ethnic groups were forced together under British colonial rule And that's why we have Nigeria Go and learn something But all of you will be jumping up and down like I'm Nigerian American, Jolaf Rice, Jolaf, Jolaf, Jolaf Learn something I'm sorry, that was unnecessary shade Because I know there's some British people That roll like fucking idiots as well Okay, uh, let me retract that Because it's not all of you Because I saw a lot of Nigerian-American women Flogging him in the comments as well So I'll let you off But there's one particular person That likes to do Jolof, Jolof, Jolof And they haven't done a modicum of learning I've come to realise But um, that's by the by um, Let me stay on track um, But yeah it, it so, so much learning needs to be done so much learning needs to be done And I'm glad that he deactivated He could go and um, go and make himself another t-shirt um, Instead of talking on things that he knows nothing about But I'm glad that I caught that in my thing And I had a chance to share that um, On the subject of Africa Africa I watched this TikTok where they were walking around the HBCU And they were asking the students If they could name five countries in, um, in Africa And um, a lot of people struggled And I want that to be something that we all address together And we make that better Because that can't, con- um, that can't continue Anyway, Girls Trip 2 is on the way Apparently that's what the girlies are saying That's what the streets are saying That we're going to get Girls Trip 2 That was uh, the first one starred uh, What is it? Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett uh, Tiffany Haddish um, Who else? And uh, Regina Hall Anyway, there's going to be a Girls Trip 2 And dum 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 They are planning to film it in Ghana And <laughs> I mean <laughs> <laughs> if I speak They will say that I'm speaking But I feel like The commodification of Ghana And all of these things Is uh, Let me not say too much Let me not say too much Because oof, I can't wait You know I can't wait to see what we are given Is all I'll say Because I don't know I don't know It says here Girls Trip 2 Reuniting Full cast For adventure In Ghana Pack your zip lines And grapefruits The Girls Trip sequel Is taking us To West Africa Writer, director, producer Tracy Oliver Who co-wrote The original 2017 romp Joined the Variety Studio uh, Joined the Variety Studio Presented by Audible At Sundance And provided an update On the um, anticipated reunion Of Regina Hall Queen Latifah Jada Pinkett Smith And Tiffany Haddish Oh I got it right Oliver at the festival To promote the second season Of her Amazon Prime series Harlem Oh that's coming back Oh I can't wait Because that chef 
He's the same guy that's in Pussy, uh, what is it? Um, Pussy Valley. Is it Pussy Valley? P Valley. Oh, yes, return, return. Um, said that she had a definitive girls trip to update that is officially happening. I can say that. Um, she also provided a plot update. And while the film pro- uh, film's producer, Will Packer, might kill me, we're looking to set it in Ghana. Hmm. Hmm. Um, one of Ho- Oliver's Harlem stars, actor Shanique Shand- um, Shandai, screened Afrochella. After Oliver dropped the news, she refers to the annual Afrochella Festival, Ghana's premier cultural and music event, whose name bro- uh, borrows from the American Flower Crown Convention, Coachella. Oliver, um, Oliver confirmed that the ladies of Girls Trip will look to attend the festival, which has attracted prominent musical acts from the region, including Beyonce, um, uh, with in, including Beyonce's collaboration with Shatter. Oh, including Beyonce collaborator Shata Wale is what they should have written there. A production timeline is unknown as Oliver still needs to submit her script. Um, I don't know if any of you are close to her. Please, can you oversee that script? I don't doubt her talent. I'm sure she's wonderful. Let's just keep everything tight. Um, the first girl's trip was a significant box office hit, grossing $140 million worldwide on a modest $16 million budget. It tells you so much about the industry. Malcolm D. Lee directed the project, produced by Packer and co-written by Oliver uh, and Kenya Barris. Oh, God. Well, you know when Kenya Barris is involved, he's going to find all of the light skins to fill. Suddenly, Ghana would not have known so many light skins. He will find a way to make sure that that's the case. Um, from a story they conceived with Erica Rivenoya, um, who was it? It also launched the recently embattled Haddish into stardom. <laughs> recently embattled. <laughs> Oliver has been on a festival tear the past year, premiering her acclaimed horror comedy, The Blackening, at the 2022 Toronto International Film Festival. The movie, directed by Tim Story, was acquired by Lionsgate on the heels of TIFF. Um, which will release this coming June t- um, Juneteenth um, Harlem Is that meant to be TIFF? Maybe it's Juneteenth Yeah, I think so, TIFF um, Harlem, which stars Megan Good, Grace Byers, Jerry Johnson and Shandai Will uh, debut its season two in a weekly rollout on Prime Video starting February the 3rd What, this week? Lord, I am prepared I am prepared to see the goodies So yeah, Look, Girls Trip 2, let's all just behave and look after Ghana That is all I need to say And I know that the president is going to ask for a cameo I just know that But let us all just behave ourselves Is all I have to put into this situation If you want me to star in it, I don't know I'll have a think about it, we'll see Anyway, that's that for So You Mad Um, I guess we might as well get into Straw of the Week A.K.A. Suck Your Mum Woo! Okay, let me start with um, this letter and see if it takes me to what I wanted to say. All I will say from the videos that I put out is I don't understand how 200 people, uh, children go missing from the hostels run by um, or hostels, hotels run by the home office. And um, there isn't enough media outcry about it. People are then trying to um, shut down what I'm saying by, oh, the reason that they would be put in those um, hostels or hotels is because the home office um, is questioning if they're actually that age. Um, So then likely they're like, what, 18 or 16 to 18. Yeah. But one of them that's gone missing um, was um, documented as being 
um, 13 years old. So I don't really care for your, um, your theory. I don't care. What I care about is the fact that the media isn't reporting on certain things. How do 200 children, because as far as I'm concerned, if they're classified, if they've been called children, I'm going to classify them as children, right? They've gone missing. Um, a whistleblower uh, from the home office in Brighton said that they saw um, these people, these children being bundled into um, vans out or a van outside of the facility. So how is that not news? And then in the same week, we're hearing that a chief met police officer along to, alongside two other police officers um, are being accused of being part of a child, pedoph- like a part of a pedophile ring. It's like there are dots connecting. It's like Jimmy Savile was able to do what he was doing. It's like Margaret Thatcher helped that to happen. It's like there is a very, very massive network, um, some underground network. I say underground, but it's ri- I feel like it's right under our nose of um, very powerful people doing incredibly, incredibly sick things and helping each other along and making things disappear when they need to disappear. Prince Andrew was friends with all of these people. And funny that um, Ghislaine Maxwell or Ghislaine Maxwell, whatever she wants to call herself, isn't saying too much. Because how do you have that black book and nobody, nobody else has gotten got? There is something afoot and it's very, very smelly to me. Very. Anyway, it says here, Dear Kelechi, I greet you as the Empress, the mother of the lion and the baby girl of baby girls. May your life be forever blessed. I'm writing this very long email at nighttime from a budget hotel in Wembley after an afternoon um, during which I caught up on the last two episodes of SYM that I'd not listened to yet. Um, both SYM and your voice have a way of helping me recenter myself and I'm very grateful to you for this. After the past six years of not seeing my family or being in Nigeria, I was finally able to travel and spend Christmas and New Year with my family. It was a good one. I thank God. It was also very emotional as we all knew we needed to use the time judiciously and enjoy one another rather than focusing on the individual and collective trauma we've experienced as a family unit. I flew back from Abuja to London yesterday, Thursday 5th of Jan 2023. I landed in Heathrow Terminal 5 and tried to breathe easy and hope for the best as I was pointed towards an immigration officer to go to. I handed over my passport and my British residence permit and the woman scanned my passport and immediately started squeezing her face. She then asked if I'd ever had immigration problems to which I answered that I had from 2019 to 2021, but had won my court case and been granted a visa. All this while, while, she's still looking at her screen and pursing and scrunching her lips in irritation as I feel the energy um, get more and more menacing. She reaches for a notepad and starts writing something down and hands me a piece of paper, image attached, and tells me, that she is detaining me to run some checks. She says, I'm keeping your passport and your BRP. I ask her if she can please explain to me what exactly the note means to which she retorts, I've just explained to you, but let me tell you again, I need to run some checks on you. So gather your things and come with me. She leads me to a corner in the hallway in which are seated a few people all black and brown, because we can also talk about how certain airport terminals make sure to cluster flights from Global South and other majority black and brown countries together. 
As I sit down, I send out this tweet thread. I um, let me read the tweet thread and come back to this. Um, what have we got here? Welcome back to Heathrow Terminal 5 After a lovely few days with family UK Home Office wants to detain me Because of my past visa issues Border trauma never ends This was such a huge worry for me It has come to pass I have no idea what happens As the officer seems to seems intent Not to give more info um, I've just told you what it all means She said Trying to stay calm But cannot lie to you um, cannot lie to you all I have limited energy and fight left in me Because of Dahaba's case from a few months ago I was scared and even had my employers write me a testimonial Which the home officer refused to look at Fair enough, I await my fate Please bear in mind that currently there are numerous racialized folks suffering at borders In this little place they sat us down um, sat, sat us down in We are all black and brown people Freedom can't be on a case by case basis The border itself is the problem Please pray for us all I really hope I get to leave soon But um, what I know for sure is that I must not relent on participating in collective dreaming of a world without borders Where we can all live in dignity <sighs> So that was the thread I'll go back to the email I seriously asked myself Who the fuck I was kidding To have even dared to hope That this wouldn't happen You see A few months ago I'd seen this story About Dahaba Ali Hussein A black woman EU citizen Who had been resident In the UK for nearly 20 years And who'd previously received The rejection from the Home Office For settled status But the rejection was Subsequently overturned And she got her status So a few months ago Hussein had visited France and was refused from boarding the Eurostar back to England because of her past immigration issues. After social media traction, she was allowed to board. When I saw Hussein's case, I immediately started risk assessing for my own December trip, wondering if I'd be let back into the UK and if I should just ship some gifts to my family and cancel my trip altogether. I decided to risk it, but also mitigated. I asked my line manager to write me an official testimonial which I could hopefully use should I run into trouble at the UK border. My border officer snapped that she didn't need to see that. I also booked Friday today off for um, off of work and made a plan to stay in London just in case I was detained. My time with my family took the edge of um, off these fears, but the UK border quickly reminded me that I will always be a precarious migrant. Another border guard offered myself and everyone else waiting cans of water and I gratefully accepted and gulped it down. Your throat and mouth get very dry when fear is digging its talons into you. Um, my border officer returned to me now with a more friendly tone, asking me to write my home address down and I did. After leaving me once again, she returned about 10 minutes later and asked me to come with, um, come with her to the side. In a very friendly tone, she asked me if, I'm be, if I've been using the NHS. And of course, I tell her I have. She then explains that I have a debt with the NHS of just, um, just under £1,000, which they apparently told her they don't expect me to know about and that it came up on her system. And that's why she had to detain me. She says she asked for my address so they can contact me. I'm very confused at this point because how did I get the debt when my surcharge has been paid? And why would she need my address when the NHS would already have it? But all I want to do is get out of there. So I tell her I will pay my debt to which she advises me that I would likely be detained in the future. Kalechi, 
I cannot ex- um, cannot even remember everything that was said because I was functioning on autopilot. All I can add, and I'm typing through tears because I'm so ashamed to say this, is that somehow both her and I are somehow laughing now as I'm doing everything just to make this conversation end quickly. I'm ashamed and I'm very sorry for partaking in this performance. I'm also very sad to have made observations during that time. This was a woman of color. While I cannot speak to how any of the other home officers who were uh, present conduct themselves because the whole system is rotten, it strikes me that she too, with all her unnecessary power flexing and intentional fear mongering, was also performing. And based on what we have been seeing with many POC in places of power, who themselves are foot soldiers for white supremacy, I conclude that her performance was a show of neo-assimilation likely for the benefit of her white colleagues in a bid to reinforce the migrant hierarchy and perhaps to convince herself that she isn't like one of us sat in a corner awaiting our fate at the mercy of the UK's carceral border laws. I'm deeply heartbroken and I'm starkly reminded that I will always have to look over my shoulder in this UK. Will I always have to keep risk assessing and mitigating for basic and mundane shit whenever my passport is needed for any kind of ID check? I just pray for the strength and sensitivity of spirit to discern if this is truly the place God wants me to remain. Because if the right opportunity from elsewhere um, elsewhere were to come, believe me, I'm gone. In conclusion, let that wicked witch suck her mother until she repents. And may she have a hundredfold of the pain she caused me and everyone else she's dealt with. I was literally detained for less than 30 minutes all of which felt hellish. And I'm glad I got out of there very quickly, but freedom cannot be on a case by case basis. This is why I cannot, um, this is why I want to encourage more people to start envisioning what a world without borders would look like. Um, This must be a tenet of social justice too. Thank you so much, my dear Kelechi, and please pray for me. I'm really in need of all the prayers because I'm feeling quite broken right now with all my love. Thank you. I'm so sorry that that happened. I'm so sorry that that happened, baby girl. And honestly, like we we say all the time that borders as we know it, um, they're a white supremacist ideological construct. How the fuck do you go into people's continent and start taking out a ruler and saying that this is mine, this is mine, this is mine? Meanwhile, you turn around and go, no, but you can't come into my country. You can't come into come, come you can't come into my country and help yourself to my things. But I can very much come and do what I want to do in yours. Like it's ridiculous when you look at the visa sort of like um kind of breakdowns for where you can go and all of these things it just is so wild it is so wild and ridiculous and also power can be enforced all the time white supremacist power really and people are like oh but we're talking about the whole world yeah do you not know how many countries the british empire europe fucked up you don't know no, I'm so sorry that that happened And you should not Please, please, please I understand where those emotions sit within you I truly get it But you should not um, feel ashamed Or beat yourself up For being a part of that performance Sis, we all have to do What we have to do sometimes to get by When I'm in them taxis I know it's not the same thing But sometimes when I'm in them taxis Them black cabs With some of these white drivers And they're saying some of the most outlandish things I'll just have to do small, small giggle Because it's not me that you're going to kill in this car. You know, like we all do what we need to do sometimes just to get by. It's it's about what we do 
in the hereafter and how we push for a world where we do not have to participate in those performances for us to get by. So a very, very big straw for her to suck her mother, that fucking agent of white supremacy that decided to hold you um, when you were coming back from terminal, um, coming back through terminal five. I'm so, so sorry that happened, but you keep doing what you're doing and I'll keep imagining that new world with you. And I'm sending you all of the love. Um, my um, delivery driver came the other day to come and deliver something to my flat. Um, upon delivering it, I don't even want to go into the full story, but upon delivering it, um, the door was answered. Um, he saw somebody answer the door, decided that um, he was then going to start sending messages like, hey, hey, sexy, demon emoji, wink emoji, and was waiting outside, waiting for a response. I don't know why people think that this is okay, but I feel like this is what Jade was saying um, earlier with Pluto in Scorpio, I'm sorry, Pluto going into Aquarius, that people will just start, like, you're going to see how, we're going to see how unsafe we are with the way that we use the internet, social media, all of these apps. We're going to see how our privacy can be impeded upon at any time. And people just deciding that, oh, I'm in love with you now and I'm going to, you know, send you these messages and do these things. It's going to build and we and there has to be more diligence. There has to be more vetting of people who are hired to do these jobs because and there have to be repercussions. You can't just be messaging people like that. It's very, very weird, very, very odd behavior. Um, And then um, I guess, you know, the killing of Tyree Nichols is where I will end my straw of the week. I want to say a special suck your mum to all five police officers who beat Tyree Nichols, 20 years old, I believe, beat him to death. All five of those police officers were black and people are now, you know, confounded. They're, you know, befuddled. They can't understand how that is still a racist attack. I already made a video explaining the history of policing. It's, um, an organisation that. Um, kind of grew to be what it is now um, from its beginnings as protecting the king's peace, um, looking after the interests of the king in the 13th century to all the way that what we had in terms of the slave patrols, um, the overseers, all of these things merging to give you the police force that you have now that were very much a part of, um, you know, very, very um, anti-black, very racist um, secret societies, the Ku Klux Klan, whatever else you have, you name it. Um, and using the this police force to be able to give themselves powers so they can just, you know, um, uphold white supremacy, basically. It's a lot. It's a lot. And people try to say, oh yeah, but you know, things have changed and people get into policing because they want to change something and they want to do good. And I don't doubt that there are some people that go into the force genuinely believing that they can affect change. And remember that, you know, I've done um, speeches, I've done workshops, I've done all of these things um, with the Met Police. And when I keep seeing that nothing is going to change, no matter what we contribute, there has to be a point where it's like, you know what, allow it, allow it. You don't want to hear, so you must feel. Right. And that's where we found ourselves. And um, the over policing of um, the, uh, black, you know, black and uh, black and Asian communities, but specifically black communities. Interestingly, thinking about the history of uh, policing, protecting the king's, pe uh, uh, the king's peace 
and hiring working class people is still working class people that are hired to join the police force that are hired to join the army so poor people are dying for the interests of rich people so therefore when we look at policing we're looking at a classist as well as a racist system but actually racism classism fits into racism because yeah anyway but we'll continue um, or racism fits into classism, whichever one you want to look into it. But I see it's like classism fitting into racism because you have to have a hierarchy and then they decide that, oh, well, yeah, based on white supremacy and where we are at, these, you know, this is where everybody slots into their, like where they fit into in society. Um, but we can go back and forth and, um, about that particular um, way of seeing things. Um, why did I say all of that? Because people, like I said, are confused about how it's racist that five police, um, well, how it's a racist attack that these five police officers beat up Tyree Nichols to and killed him, even when wearing body uh, cams. They tased him. They they beat him beyond belief because they could, and they wouldn't have done that to a white person because they know who they're allowed to target within the force that they've entered into. And in fact, they probably gravitated to such a job because they felt like it would afford them um, the freedoms to do that sort of thing and to cause harm to other black people. And I'm just like, if that's what they're doing to a black man, I can't dream to think of what they've been doing to the um, black women and girls uh, in Memphis. Like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. In fact, all of the cases that they've um, had to see to, all of the calls that they've had to show up to, those need to be investigated. Um, They need to be reopened in case anything happened to those people. But um, it is still racist. It's a racist attack for the reasons that I've just given. And they are, stupidly for them, going to now experience even more racism as police officers because look how quickly they instantly... They've been arrested, this, that, and the other. They can move swiftly with black police officers. You do not have the protection that white police officers have. You don't. So I don't know why you thought that the that that blue line was going to protect you. You're black. You're black. The blue line was never about you because you're not the one that can turn blue if you're cold anyway. But <laughs> sorry, that's by the by. Um, the blue line was never about you. You weren't gonna be protected by that system. And this is a reminder for all black people that choose to be complicit in oppressive systems. It will not save you. You putting yourself in that and and even some of you that say, oh, I'm going to change the institution from the inside. You're not going to change any motherfucking thing. You just become complicit and then you'll just, you'll be losing your integrity bit by bit by bit by bit. Shut up. You're not changing it from the inside. So when we're looking at these people who actually don't want to change it from the inside, they just want to be protected by it. So they too can go and cause harm. That isn't, that is a motherfucker. And they're going to show you they are, these five police officers are going to be dealt with. You will be shown how you were never, never, ever a part of that system. The, the, the highest sentence is what they're going to give you in terms of jail time. There'll be nobody to protect you. Look how the police union, they're not even speaking up in your regard. The chief of police for that Memphis police department, she's now making um, public service announcements talking about, oh, it was terrible what they did. And, you know, we just encourage anybody, um, everybody that there should be no violence. Even the way that everyone was gearing up, all the press outlets, the news outlets, uh, were already talking about, oh, this is, you know, a terrible video. It's the worst we've seen in a while. So we're giving out warnings because we know that people might want to riot. People might want to protest. It felt like people were excited. 
So again, I have to say a massive fuck you to the media. Fuck you lot. Fuck you. The only people really that I see who are posted, the violence that's inflicted upon them, posted constantly on social media. It doesn't go above black people, but I also see that it's just non-white people, Palestinians, get it, Syrians. Like, like I'm seeing videos of them being shot. Why am I seeing videos of them being shot? And you'll be like, oh, it's to raise awareness, but you're talking about a society that doesn't already, already doesn't view you as human. So it's not going to raise awareness. They're more likely to get upset at a cat or a dog experiencing the same treatment than you. They don't care. It's like, it's the way that they used to print in the newspapers or put up posters and flyers when there was going to be a lynching and people will bring their picnics. White people will bring their picnics and sit under trees where black people were hanging. Burnt up. All of that, that they would sit there and you're trying to tell me you think that we've moved far enough as if those people that were sitting under the trees having them picnics aren't, you know, when they're, you know, we're not talking, we're talking about grandparents. Sometimes we're talking about great grandparents, great grandparents. Sometimes for some of you might even be talking about parents. So we, we're not that far removed from that. It's just being digitized. The lynching is just being digitized. And it really worries me, especially the black people that go, go ahead to repost that stuff. Is everything all right at home? Is everything all right? You don't need to show me a video for me to know that whatever has happened, because we've seen black people killed in numerous ways by police and still they hardly get a sentence or whatever. Breonna Taylor still seeking justice for Breonna Taylor. Even though we don't have the footage, we know that there were those um, the the, the, um, the holes on the wall, but that was damage to property. That's more important. I am just honestly disgusted. But then it brings me to another thing that I've been stressing for a while. But you lot, some of you lot, not you might not even be you lot, but you some of you have friends, whatever the fuck, whatever the case may be, who are very like I said, fixated on oh, but you know, collect cheese this and collect cheese that. Hashtag black love will not save you. I'm not saying that you shouldn't seek out to be in a union, to be in a beautiful union with people who are of your culture and who look like you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying specifically this idea of hashtag black love, where you are doing nothing to move us forward as a collective but you think just by the sheer premise of you being with another black person that somehow you are better than me in any regard because you're not because you are not because here we have an example of black people who are doing the bidding of white supremacy we look at the government currently is full of non-white people who are doing the bidding of white supremacy white supremacy can exist even when white-skinned people are not present and you lot have not pushed your thinking far enough so all you want to be stuck on is oh but Kalechi is da 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 focus focus because the cock that you are currently gargling is, a, is, is attached to an agent, an active agent of white supremacy. You can be there with, um, you know, however many um, women that you've um, treated badly, children that you've shouted out, you, you shouted out young black girls that are your daughters, that you ruin their self-esteem. You can do all of that. 
But then you can post a family picture And be like hashtag black love Where is the love? I can see the black But where is the love? And a lot of you haven't sat down enough You haven't sat down with yourselves enough To admit to yourselves They don't actually know what the fuck you're talking about You don't know what you don't, you don't know what love is You don't know But I need you to know That you don't know I'm still saying the lyrics actually But I literally need you to know that you don't know Like until people are willing to actually do the work To learn what the fuck you're talking about To unlearn white supremacy I don't, I really don't think certain of Like certain ones of you or whatever Are in a position to be talking on what other people are doing When what they're doing is moving the culture And the collective forward in a way that you could never It's not just enough to say hashtag black love Because you stretch whichever hole you want for, um, for, For whoever For another black person That is not enough Just because you're licking licky Just because you're licking licking other black genitalia Does not mean that you are doing anything That's more than the other person over there There is nuance to this And there's so much complexity in it But I'm just stating here simply Look at this example of these black police officers Being the ones to kill this black man Yet white supremacy is the reason that they have done that And they will feel the recompense Repercussions of what they've done In a way that white police officers Rarely ever do Because that is the nature of white supremacy But maybe that's just going to go over your head Like I've always said I feel like sometimes My way of thinking and my perspective Is so far ahead of certain people And that's not even me gassing up the ting Or being arrogant I just know it to be a fact And I'm fucking tired Of having to show humility And be quiet While other people can Um Critique me and criticize me and talk about me in very, very wild ways Where I know that you do not have the intellectual prowess to ever go toe-to-toe with me on your best fucking day Let's all respect ourselves As January is ending, I want to give us that gift in Aquarius season Aquarius that's ruled by Uranus Innovation, all of them things there Disruption Disrupt the lack of sense that you have by inviting common sense in And when that common sense lands Let it let you know That it's not me That, sh- that should be fucking played with So that's that for this week's um, Say Your Mind You know, I've said my mind, definitely um, Remember to get tickets to the New York Live show Treat Yourself um, Yeah, um, the Dickhead in, Re- uh, in Recovery Affirmation cards are there um, A few of them left um, I'll be doing the sit down um, with IC. That's on the twenty fifth of February. Um, that the tickets actually sold out for that. So, but so whoever's coming, I'll see you there, and you can get merch there on the night as well. Big up my leak teal for chatting with me for share your magnificence, and I really, really hope that on a serious note, I hope that so many of you are taking care of yourself because it's not easy seeing black people being killed constantly online like that shit. Gets to me Even talking about it now I feel myself suddenly getting teary Because I'm trying to hold it the fuck together And it is heartbreaking Heartbreaking to constantly see these things Like And especially when you're seeing black people doing it as Like to each other um, LeBron thought he had a point He needs to shut his fucking mouth After he was dancing to um, Tory Lane's um, Tory Lane's song in his car the other day But people 
are running, falling over themselves to be like black people. Yeah, we can be better than this. And it's just like, I do, we can, but you need to understand also what is happening here. And we need to get, we need to get shit together and move away from these reductive takes. If you know that you don't have the range like that, go and find it. But yeah, anyway, I hope that you're taking care of yourself. Do something nice for yourself that makes you feel joyful, that makes you smile because it's really not easy out here. And that's that. I've been Kalechi Okafo and this has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as what, what? That's right, suck your mum. I need to go and rest and eat my mum's food and I'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. It's the Ben's Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Help you sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sippy, yo Hard time scrolling for your long truths You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind